Welcome to Veritas Community Church. Uh, if you would, pull out your bulletin, um, and you'll notice that there is a Connect card. Yep, Connect card. And what we have these here for is if you're new, go ahead and fill it out. Uh, drop it either in this bucket right here, or we have a black box out on the hospitality table. Uh, we'd love to, to, to know uh, to know you, get you to know you a little bit better, maybe give you even a little bit more information or meat uh, for lunch, coffee. We enjoy all those things. Um, if you would like to find out more about anything within our church, whether it's the gatherings, city groups, whatever, um, there is a thing at the bottom I would like more information about, and you can click as many as apply. So go ahead, fill those out, put those in the in the designated areas. Oh, and I, I almost forgot. The, the reason why we really like to have these, not only to know who is new, but the, on the other side, there is a part for prayer. And uh, we, uh, we desire as a leadership team to pray for you throughout the week. Um, we take these and pray over them. And uh, if you have something, if you have anything that you would like prayer for, uh, if you have a need, go ahead and fill that out and drop it in the bucket. And we'd love to pray of you this week. <clears throat> if you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew 6. If you don't have your Bibles and you want to take one from the end of the seats there, Matthew 6 is on page 473. And once you get there, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. All right, Matthew six nineteen through 13. Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, it is with thankfulness and with joy that we gather together as a body of Veritas this morning. And we ask that during this time that you would use your word like the sword that it is, to cut at our hearts, to reveal sin, to assure us of our hope and our salvation in you. God, as we talk about you and what our daily bread is, we, we pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts. Be at work, Holy Spirit. Teach us how to obey. Teach us how to pray. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right. 
You probably aren't expecting to see me up here. Typically, Garrison is the one preaching. My name's J.J. Crumloff, and I oversee the ministries here at Veritas Community Church. And let me tell you, I love it. It is a joy and a privilege, and I know everybody says that when they get up and they start talking. But I, I love this congregation. I love this body of believers, and I'm so glad to be able to preach for you this morning. So this morning, we are continuing our study in the Lord's Prayer. We are in the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And as we come to this fourth petition, I would like to start by pointing out a change in the focus in this and the ensuing three petitions that Jesus teaches us to pray. In the first three petitions, our gaze is drawn heavenward. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of these focus on the glory of God. In the rest of this prayer, Jesus will now teach us how to pray concerning ourselves, both in our relationship to God and in our relationships toward one another. The first request in the shift of focus is give us this day our daily bread. And while it might not seem like there is much to unpack in these seven words, I would like you to use this morning's sermon to try and convince you otherwise. I believe that these seven words, in these seven words, that there is much revealed about who God is and who our relationship to him and to each other and about our relationship to the things that God provides for us to take care of all of our needs. The thing that I hope that you take away this morning and what the main focus of this sermon will be is that in the fourth petition, we call upon the giver to provide for all of our day-to-day needs. So the big idea for our sermon today is in the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, we call upon the giver to provide our day-to-day needs. And while I know that this is simple and not very profound, the words of Jesus in these seven words are equally simple, but extremely profound. My hope is that you will walk out of this room this morning with a much higher view of God and a much deeper sense of thankfulness for his provision and the means of his provision in your life. I will guide us through this sermon using just two questions as our main points. Who is the giver and what is our daily bread? So who is the giver and what is our daily bread? So let's begin by asking, who is the giver? Before we can understand what we are praying for, we need to grasp who we are praying to. When we pray, give us, we need to know who it is we are asking this request of. We need to comprehend who the giver is. The order of this prayer is is important. In the address of God as our Father, and in the three petitions afterwards, bits of the giver's attributes are made known to us. He is God our Father. His name is to be revered above all other names. He is the king over all things. He is sovereign, and it is right for us to ask that his will be done. 
We need to know these things in our hearts and affirm them in our prayers with our ma- and prayer with our mouths to be able to rightly ask for our daily bread. So who is the giver? Well, to begin with, he is God, our Father. God, our Father. We need to look no further than verse 9 of the same passage to see this. Jesus prays, our Father in heaven. Garrison did a good job of unpacking the doctrine of God as our Father in the first week of this sermon series. And if you haven't listened to it, I highly uh, challenge you to go back and listen to it on podcast or through our website. But he did a wonderful job of unpacking uh, God, the doctrine of God as our Father. So I'm not going to belabor the point that God is our Father, but I do feel it necessary for the purposes of our time this morning to bring back to mind a little of what we learned to help us gain a more complete picture of who God is. If this prayer is addressed to God the Father, then it's easy to conclude that we ask, when we ask give, we are requesting our Heavenly Father to provide us for everything that we need. If you follow on down in your Bibles in Matthew 6, down to verse 25, Jesus continues his sermon by saying this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the the, lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will, not mu- will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We'll come back to that text in just a little bit, but I use that now to show you that this language of Father is important in answering the question, who is the giver? It is our heavenly Father. He is the one who is giving us our daily bread. He is the one who is able to provide for our every need. If you go even further into Matthew Chapter 7, verses 9 and 11, Jesus says, one which, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? Again, Jesus is using the paternal language here to continue the theme of God as our heavenly Father. He will not only give to us what we ask, but he provides for us good things. We don't have to worry when we ask him to provide for us because we know that as his children, he will give exactly what is good for us and he will take care of our needs. 
The reformer John Calvin in his Institutes of the Christian Religion writes of this particular petition, in sum, in this petition, we commit ourselves, as it were, into his keeping and entrust to his providence that he may feed, support, and preserve us. For this most kindly father does not scorn to take even our bodies under his protection and care in order to exercise our faith in these humble, petty matters when we look to him for all we need, even for a crumb of bread and a drop of water. And what Calvin is saying here is that because of who our Heavenly Father is, he is able and desires to keep and preserve his children even in the smallest of matters. Very with our second answer for who is the giver. In fact, it would prob- I would probably say that this is the, the, a different side of the same coin. God, our Father, is also God, our provider. The reason that I see this as a different side of the same coin is because as a father, it is my duty to provide for my family. These two things go hand in hand. As a father myself, One of my primary callings in life is to provide for the needs of my family. God has graciously provided a job for me to be able to use as a means to put food on the table, clothing on my family's backs, and a home to shelter us. I find joy in going to work knowing that it is for for God and my family that I work. And when my paychecks come in, I take light and being able to use that to purchase the things that my girls need. Being their earthly provider is a role that brings me joy. I love taking care of my girls. Absolutely love it. None of my daughters are over the age of five. There is no way they can provide themselves. <laughs> they may think they can, But it's nearly impossible for them to do that at their stage of life. Therefore, every need that they have have met at this point in their lives is a gift from either Sarah or myself. My job may make me tired and weary, but I will never stop giving my family the things that they need. And God, who is our Heavenly Father, delight in giving us good gifts that we would never be able to provide for ourselves. And unlike us, unlike us, we would, he never grows tired. He never grows weary in providing for us. As Thomas Watson, the Puritan writes, he is not weary of giving. The springs of mercy are ever running. In his role as provider, God delights in his giving and is steadfast in his provision. Micah, the Old Testament prophet, in chapter 7, verse 18 says, He delights in steadfast love. And in Psalm 52, 1, the psalmist writes, The steadfast love of God endures all the day. If God is the provider of all things... It should cause us to turn to him in prayers and songs of thanksgiving and praise. Again, Watson writes, All our gifts come from God, 
and to him must all our praise return. It isn't until you truly start to think about what he has freely gifted to us. You can rightly and consistently return to him in praise. Not only does he provide for our physical needs, but he also provides for our spiritual needs as well. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So we see that it is God, our Father and Provider, who is the giver. He gives us our daily bread. And that brings us to our second question. What is our daily bread? This isn't language that we usually go around saying to one another. Um, I don't normally tell Sarah before I go to work, hey, I'm going off to provide you and the girls with our daily bread. <clears throat> well, I want to break this question down into three parts. Our, our daily and bread. I know, clever, right? But seriously, I think each of these words were placed here by God to address address three different aspects of his provision for us. To begin with, let's start with our, O-U-R, our. As we have been reciting this verse together for the past four weeks and even in our city group, I hope that you've noticed the community language that Jesus is using and teaches us how to pray. The words our, us, and we play a large role in the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer, and it should not be lost on us, especially in this particular request. So why do we pray in the plural, us and our? Simply put, if you believe as Jesus taught in Mark 12, 31, that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, you will pray for them just as you would pray for your own self. And if we pray for our neighbor, and if you don't know who your neighbor is, go ahead and turn to Luke 10, 25 through 37. You can read the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan to find out who your neighbor is. And once you, and if you don't, or sorry, and if you pray for your neighbor, just think about how much more fervently we should be praying for those within our own church body. In the story of the early church, we read in Acts 2 that they were devoted to four things. And one of those things happened to be prayer or the prayers. But they were devoted to praying with and for one another. And as you continue to read in both Acts 2, verses 44 through 47, and then again in Acts 4, 32 through 37, you begin to notice a unity and a sense of community that may that many of us long and strive for today. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to read verses 2 through 37. Acts 4, 32 through 37. And this Luke writes, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the grace, great grace was upon them all. Not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So called by the called by the apostles Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The main thing that I want to take away from this passage is not that they sold their lands or their houses and all their possessions to be distributed to those who had need. Instead, it is that God used the people of the church to provide for each other's physical needs. Again, I want to focus on that God used the people of the church to provide for each other's physical needs. And I just want to stop and pause and say, I want you to know that as a part of the leadership team here of this church, that if you make it known to us that you have a need that needs to be met, it will be met. We very strongly that God wants us as a local body to help provide for the people that gather here with us regularly, both members and non-members, as well as the people who fall within our designated footprint here within the city of Dayton. And you may say, what, what is our footprint? Well, I asked that same question earlier this week, and I got an answer, so thanks, Mike. But our footprint goes north to 3rd Street or to the river, but really everything north of 3rd is just really industrial. And then to the west, from the Oregon District to UD, to the south at Twin Towers and Walnut Hills, and to the east at Linden Heights and Burkhardt. So if you or someone you know who falls within that footprint needs a meal, we as a people will rise up and meet that need. If there is a bill that needs to be paid, we want to step up and help not only with that payment, but with teaching and training on how to do finances. If it's clothing or shelter, we want to be hospitable in opening our homes and generous with what we have been given and try to help and clothe. Please, please, please do not hesitate to ask. One of our five identities here at Veritas is a servant. And in being a servant, we want to use our gifts and our resources to bless others. If there is anything that you need, please come talk to me. Come talk to Garrison. Come talk to Mike Squire, who leads our mercy ministry. Either after the service, or if you want to fill a Connect card out and put it on there. Or if you want to email us, please do that. But if you have a need, let us know. We believe it is something God has laid upon our hearts to do as Christians. So we pray for our daily bread. And then secondly, we pray daily. We're just getting more profound here, aren't we? So, so daily, we, you may be saying to yourself, 
that now we're just getting nitpicky, and I hope I'm able to show you that emphasizing daily is an important part, not only to this prayer, but to our Christian lives. William Perkins, when writing on the meaning of daily bread, wrote, what does God mean by daily bread? Such bread as serves to preserve health and life from day to day. It's pretty simple. In short, he is saying that we are asking God to provide us for our day to day. As a Jew listening to Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he came to this particular petition, their memories would have been stirred in reference to Exodus 16, when God provided for, his pe- for the people of Israel a bread from heaven or manna. This bread was provided by God on a day-to-day basis while the Israelites were making their way to the promised land. And I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in verse 21, it tells us that morning by morning, morning by morning, they gathered it, which was manna, each as much he could eat. God is providing for his people's daily needs here. And it really was for the people's daily needs. People people collected more than what they needed for the day and tried to keep it with the exception of the sixth day in which people were collected double for the Sabbath. The manna would breed worms and start to stink. I'm sure that you've all had something in your trash can at some point that has probably fit the bill for that. But just imagine having that within your tent and not really having any type of trash can to cover that up. So why is this significant for us? Why do we need to be reminded of and pray for God's daily provision? It is because we need the exact same reminder that the people of Israel needed long ago. We need to pray that God would provide for our daily needs so that we are reminded not to be anxious for the future. If you remember back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31, again, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, in verse 34, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Church, we have no need to be anxious for the future because our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need to make it from one day to the next. Let me say that one more time. Church, we have no need to be anxious about the future because our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need to make it from one day to the next. Thomas Watson, in commenting on this particular passage, 
writes, God fed Israel with manna in the wilderness, and he fed them from hand to mouth. Sometimes all their manna was spent, and if anyone had asked them they would have their breakfast next morning, they would have, would have said, our care is only for the day. They will rain down, God will rain down with manna when we need. If we have bread today, let us not distrust God's providence for the future. Guys, let's trust our heavenly Father to provide for our daily needs. And lastly, we pray for our bread. What exactly does that mean? Well, it can mean actual bread, which was a staple of the ancient world back then and a staple of many culture, cultural diets today. Uh, we like to have bread with every meal, right? Or at least most people do, regular or gluten-free. Um, we had an Afghan exchange student live with us, and uh, he ate more bread than I think I ever saw anybody eat. Um, and they would have bread and with every meal, every single meal, he would have bread. <clears throat> so this is a staple of, of many cultures today. But it also means all of food that is meant to sustain our lives. J.I. Packer, the great English theologian, says, The prayer is for farmers and against famines. Bread also encompasses all of the things that we need to make it through each and every day. Again, Packer writes, the prayer covers clothing, shelter, and physical need. So the prayer becomes an intercession for social and medical services. Or again, the prayer covers money and power to earn, and so becomes a cry against poverty, unemployment, and national policies that produce or prolong both. Did you notice the things covered in that list? All things that are necessary for our daily flourishing. It is good to desire food to sustain us, clothing to cover us, shelter us to keep us from the changing seasons, and physical health to be able to, work, to live quietly and to mind our own affairs and to work with our hands. This is what our daily bread is. These are the things that we need to live a life in service towards God. But we get distracted by many things. And when, and when we stop and stop praying for our daily bread, we get sidetracked and start equating our wants with our needs. Things that have been created for our enjoyment start to become idols in our hearts. Changing the things that we should see as extras into things that become necessities. Is it wrong to save money or to invest wisely? By no means. In fact, we are to be good managers of all that God has given to us. But when our motivations start to creep into desiring wealth or status or whatever it is, we know that our hearts are starting to turn from him what God tells us a need 
what God tells us is a need and towards what our flesh wants. J.I. Packer concludes this section in his book on this petition. We are to ask for the bread we need. For example, for the supply of necessities, not luxuries we can do without. This petition does not sanctify greed. This is why it is important we have the right view of God. This is why we need to have the correct view of who we are. We need community to be able to point out the times in our lives when we start veering into sinful desires. We need to be reminded daily that our lives are a gift from God. And we are not promised the next day. Only he knows the number of our day. Live it like it's your last. Trust that God will take care of you and provide you like he provided for the Israelites daily in their journey. I would be remiss if I didn't conclude our time together by talking about Jesus and bread. About Jesus and bread, and specifically in John chapter 6. And in John 6, right after Jesus feeds 5,000 and walks across the Sea of Galilee, uh, he is met on the other side of the sea by some of his disciples, and and not just the 12 that we think of, but multiple followers who have been following Jesus, wanting to see who he is, watch his mighty act. People, they meet him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 32, Jesus reminds them of the time that Moses, through God, provided manna. And then he says, But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. Jesus' followers respond, Give us this bread always. Who would not want what Jesus just said? I want that bread, right? If, if, D, if DLM made a bread that gave you the thing Jesus says in that verse, we'd all be heading there right now, right? Jesus responds to them, I, bread of life. And then later on in verse 53, Jesus responds as they're disputing, as the followers are disputing among themselves. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise up on the last day. Obviously, what Jesus is talking about here is spiritual. What he is telling them was that through what he was going to accomplish on the cross, through offering his body and blood for our sins, was the true food and the true drink of eternal life. Philip Reichen in his book on the Lord's Prayer says, anyone who wants to live forever with God must take Jesus in the way a hungry man takes in his daily bread. 
And you guys have experienced real hunger before. Our biggest need was met in the person and work of Jesus. Without him, we would be eternally hungry and thirsty. And we remember that Jesus is the true bread in one sense by participating in the Lord's Supper together. So I'm going to pray, and then Garrison will come up and lead us in that. Lord, we recognize you as our Father and as our provider. You give to us everything that we need. And you have given us a community so that in that community we can carry out your call in our lives as servants to serve those who are in need, to be the conduit in the way that you fulfill people's needs. God, I ask that, that you would remind us that we need you daily and that we would take very seriously in this petition that we need to ask you for our daily provision, to be reminded each and every day that we need to come to you, our good, good Father. Father, we Rejoice that you sent your son, Jesus. Not only so that we can have him as an example, but so that we can have him as a savior. As the, as the true bread of life, he has given us eternal life in himself. God, we love you. Thank you for our time this morning. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.